The Permian Basin is an abundant oil and gas producing area. Already one of the world's leading oil producing regions, the area in West Texas and Southeastern New Mexico could nearly double crude oil production by the year 2023. But who are the leaders behind this economic powerhouse? And what is their story? This is Permian Perspective. I'm your host, Krista Escamilla. Sponsored by Baker Hughes, a GE company inventing smarter ways to bring energy to the world. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. I'm so thankful that you're sharing this time with us. I am here in Midland, Texas with Philip Bales. He is with Baker Hughes, and Philip is the sales manager for Completions and Wellbore Intervention. Thank you so much for being with us, Philip. Thank you for having me. How's your day going so far? Going great. Awesome. Well, before we start our interview, I just want to thank everyone for your reviews. I've been asking the past couple of weeks for you to uh, give us a five-star review because those are our favorite. And so I cannot thank you enough for doing so. We really appreciate the reviews. And we're thankful to Apple for choosing Permian Perspective to be on their new and noteworthy list. That was pretty exciting when we found that out. So thank you so much. And I want to thank this listener who gave us this five-star review. It was regarding the Clint Walker interview. And he said, this was an awesome interview. I started working for Big Red a few months ago and learning all that I can currently. Thank you, Clint Walker, for the inspiring words. And thank you, Aminamo5, for that review. We really appreciate you. And feel free to jump on anytime, leave us those reviews, and we may announce it in a future broadcast. So, Philip, you're here with us today with Baker Hughes. I know Baker has been part of your history, but we want to see how you got to where you are today. Tell us how you got started in the oil and gas industry. I tell you what, that's kind of a long story, so I'll try to be as quick as I can. I was a county extension agent, which works for the AM University system, and just uh, completed my MBA. And, and I got to know a guy that was in the oil field, and we were sitting in Breckenridge, Texas, and he asked me to come interview with his boss for a, a position in the oil field. I didn't know anything about the oil field, to tell you the truth. I, I grew up in a small town and was in the agricultural side of things. And uh, so my interview with him went really well. And he actually offered me a job in Midland, Texas, making $12 an hour as a spooler on a, on a small ESP company. And so me and my wife, we took a leap of faith and took him up on his offer. And it was about 14 years ago on Good Friday. That was kind of the anniversary of it. So, Well, fantastic. Happy anniversary. Recently. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, and from there, you you know started just, just like most people. You start at the bottom, right? Yes, ma'am. And work your way up. What did you think at first when you first got in the business? We're a little bit different from agriculture. What did, what did you think right off the bat? <laughs> the work was actually very similar. Starting out at the bottom, it's just a, a lot of mechanical, being out in the field, you know, doing things like driving to location, doing doing uh, certain tasks that kind of get you dirty every day and get your hands dirty. But overall, I would say it, it was a great experience coming from agriculture. It transitioned really well. And uh, I will tell you a funny story is my first two-week paycheck was more than my one-month paycheck for the a University system, <laughs> which my wife couldn't couldn't believe it. She thought they had made a mistake on it. But it was it was actually all the overtime I was working. Right. She said, Philip, do you, you need to go double check that and make sure that's right. She actually <laughs> did. Cash this. <laughs> yes, she actually did do that. Oh, that's great. And and that's the thing. A lot of people did start off with with the opportunity here in the basin. You then took that and grew it with, you know, with that experience. Where was your next stop along the way? So 
after I've kind of worked my way up through the organization, got into sales, outside sales, which I really enjoyed, really felt like I was doing a decent job. Baker Hughes actually started recruiting me after a, a short period of time with this small ESP company and went to work for Baker Hughes as a salesperson. And and again, in, in that organization, there was all kinds of opportunities that just came you know, came up from people getting promoted and moving out of the Permian Basin, people moving in. I can't tell you, you know, how appreciative I was to Baker for all those opportunities that came along. And it really put me in a good position over the last few years of my career. So it's been great. What is it you enjoy about sales? I think it's just the interaction with people and it's uh, the face-to-face conversations. Doesn't matter if it's, you know, good or bad, whether you're trying to sell them something or you're talking to them about a problem job or concessions, anything like that. I think it's a great opportunity to get in front of people and and just have that face-to-face interaction. And again, it's it's kind of competitive for me. I'm I'm kind of a competitive guy. I'm an easygoing guy. I think most people would tell you pretty easygoing until you get me on a like a basketball court or something (laughs) like that. And then it kind of changes my attitude a little bit. I, I want to go win. Right. So the competitive juices from sports carried over into the sales. Yes, ma'am. Part, an aspect of your job. Yes. Yes. And I think that being here in the basin, there there is so much opportunity to sell and to grow and to, to get better day by day. What have you learned through that experience that has really helped you get to this title that you have right now? So being competitive person at uh, you know, the things I've learned is you got to take everything in stride, the good, the bad, the ugly, take it all in stride, learn from it, see how you can get better. And just like, you know, you're playing football or basketball, when you have a, you know, a play that doesn't go as well, you learn from it. You don't run that play again. You swap over to another strategy and and go with that one. So it's always changing the things that, that doesn't work, change to something else and, uh, it's that constant feedback from the customer, from your internal organization. Right. Speaking of your internal organization, you were with Baker then via Halliburton, I believe. Yes, ma'am. And then came. you're now back with Baker. What is the five-year outlook for Baker Hughes? I know I know. there's a lo- always a lot of strategy that goes into uh, planning for yes, your business day to day. What is the five-year outlook that you are all seeing and talking about? Yeah, I think uh, when it comes to Baker Hughes overall, there's... There's been a lot of things that's happened to us over the last two or three years. But looking forward, as GE has already told us, they're going to sell off, you know, the majority stakeholder stakeholder position within uh, Baker Hughes. I think the outlook for the five year, you know, looking at it from a, a business perspective with new products, new technology that we're rolling out, new investments in R&D type things, infrastructure that we're putting in place here in the Permian Basin, especially here in the Permian, as, as this is the biggest segment of the the U.S. land. I think we're really trying to position ourselves in this organization, in the Permian Basin, to to be one of the best execution-type companies in the Permian Basin. And I know you're doing a great job of getting out in the community. We see a lot of Baker Hughes you know, throughout. How, how important is community involvement to you as a company? Yeah, I would say, you know, for us as a company, it's one thing that we haven't done very well in the past, but I'm, I'm really proud of our company over the last year to maybe a year and a half. We've put a lot of funds in place to really 
bridge that gap that we've had all these years and invest in the community. And I'll tell you, Jamie Butler, our, our vice president, she's done a very good job of soliciting our upper management for those funds and making sure that we get the ability to to really go out and partner with some of our local organizations, such as the Rock Hounds and the school system. We've done a what I believe is a really good job of getting back into the community. Absolutely. Definitely. What do you think makes the Permian so great? You've been here 14 years now. Someone that maybe is on the other side of the world has never been here. What What do you think is the one thing that stands out that makes us so awesome here in the basin? Yeah, really. I, I think it's the people. We've We've got a good mix of people that have been here for a long time, like myself. I've been here 14 years. If you look at the organization that, that I'm over, We've got a good mix of people from Louisiana, from Pennsylvania, and it's just a, a group that comes in and we make sure we have one focus going forward, and that's to build the company and build the brand. We do a really good job of, of mixing everybody together. We have team building events to make sure everybody's cohesive and that we all march to the same, same drum. That's wonderful. What about challenges? I know every organization, we always see, you know, there's some challenges for growth because we are definitely a growing community. What do you think some of the biggest challenges are for growth? Well, part of the challenge that I see is kind of going along with what makes the Permian so great is also a challenge because those people that are coming in from outside the area, eventually they want to go back to whatever home they were coming from. So Keeping those people here in the Permian Basin, retaining those folks is has been a challenge. And I think part of the things that we just talked about, about investing in the infrastructure and what what we've really taken a step forward in over the last 18 months has really been a big piece to try to keep those folks here in the Permian Basin. And here's our push for everyone to stay here. It's a great place. I've been here 21 years. You've been here 14. Mm -hmm. There are some magical things that happen here. And I think we always say the people, number one, but also just a great place to raise a family. I know you have two kids. Yes, and for the family, what would you say to someone that maybe is considering moving their family here? You've been raising yours here. What would you say their take is on it, living in the Permian Basin? Yeah. It, for, for us and our family, when we moved in from Breckenridge, which which is still in the state of Texas and and it's uh, green grass and a lot of water, you know, those type of things. Is it East, East Texas? East Texas, East, okay. yes, ma'am. <laughs> I figured when you said there's a lot, there was a lot of green. <laughs> <laughs> moving, moving over here, it, it's really, I, I think it comes down to you, you make it what you, what you want to. If, if you want to come here and be miserable, you can. Or if you want to come here, get plugged in to the church, to the community, and, and go see the sites, you know, find some friends, develop those friends. There's a lot of things to do here. And like you said, raising a family here. I don't know if there's any better place to raise a family. We moved out to Greenwood for the school district and the kids that my kids have just accelerated in learning and their achievements at Greenwood. And I couldn't ask for a better school system. It, it's been really good out there. It really is. It's a little hidden gem. <laughs> it is. It really is. Yes, ma'am. Fantastic. Let's talk a little bit about diversity and inclusion within Baker Hughes. I know that is very important to your company. How do you see that, how that has changed and evolved over the years? The diversity and inclusion perspective for me is just really making sure that we're doing our due diligence as hiring managers to make sure that we're looking at at everybody that's applying and, and making sure that we're going out and getting the very best candidate. And 
women in the organization has been a big help for us because they, they bring a different perspective. And Jamie Butler is, is a good example coming in as a, as vice president. She's got a different perspective than what previous vice presidents have. And her perspective to really put forth a lot of funds and partnerships into the, into the community, I think has broadened our horizon as a, as an organization. And so I think having that, that diversity, having the different voice of the community, different voice inside the organization has been a big help for us. How about the ups and downs of the oil business? If you listen to the Clint Walker interview, he said mm-hmm. he called it chickens or feathers. Yes, <laughs> ma'am. Chickens or feathers. And, and we're all so familiar with that here. Yes. How have you dealt with that uh, personally and business wise? Yeah. So personally, I, I would you know just tell everybody and I'm kind of a conservative person at heart. So I would say when times are good, you better be putting back. We all know this is a roller coaster. It's going to come down at some point. Hopefully that's a large number of years away, but we know it's coming. So when you're in the good times, make sure you're putting back for the, for the tough times. And, and the other thing is in the good times, that brings all kinds of opportunities. So I would say really take advantage of those. Enjoy getting out, getting out of your comfort zone and really take advantage of them. And that doesn't mean buy a Maserati. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We see those. If that's your thing, go for it. Oh, yeah. I I drive down the street and there's boats and sea-doos and motorcycles in everybody's front yard. I just hope that they're they're saving properly and, and making sure that they're they're preparing themselves for the, for the downhill side. Right. There's a, it's a, all about balance. You yes. have to find that balance. You got to find a balance. Let's talk a little bit about you as a business person and some of the tools that have helped you get to where you are today. Mm-hmm. I would say the biggest thing for me, and, and maybe it's not a tool, but maybe rather a, a behavior is the face-to-face interaction. I think as a society, we have gotten to where we rely on text messages, emails, those type of uh, communications. I, I really believe there's there's nothing better than that face to face interaction. You you get a lot more from it. You can get your point across. You can share body language. You can get signs back from that person. And I just really believe. And one thing that really ticks me off or irritates me is when I'm talking to somebody and and I'll get the feedback that says, well, I sent them an email. I'm just waiting for a reply. <laughs> you sound like my husband. He's the same way. <laughs> Pick up the phone and yes. call that person or go see him in person. You know, it's it, it's not just a generation thing. It's a society thing. I think everybody from even our older, more experienced guys in the oil field, they've gotten to where they're doing the same thing. They're just sending emails or text messages. And I, I can't tell you how many times, you know, we'll have these conversations and that's the kind of reply that I've gotten is mm-hmm. well, I'm, I'm waiting on an email from them. You're like, there's this thing called a telephone. It yes. does more than plays apps and yes. music. <laughs> and it, and it works for not only sales, but when you're, when you're having conversations or when you're needing to talk to somebody about mm-hmm. a difficult situation or a difficult conversation, a touchy conversation, you know, those are best to have, Face to face, I think. I think the person that you're speaking to gets more, maybe gets more out of it. They feel like you're more compassionate. I just, I'm a big believer in face to face conversations. So, how do you deal with the social media and the phone being in a hand at all times with your employees? Because I don't know your exact age, but I'm guessing you're mm-hmm. around my age, and 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 I know that that's not what we grew up with. But now the younger generation, that's all they've had their mm-hmm. whole life. How do you deal with that as a leader? 
Yeah. So I try to set my expectations up front. And when we have, I check in with them on a regular basis and, and we'll ask about their opportunities that have come up. And if they give me, they, they've kind of know now, if they give me that excuse of, well, I'm waiting for an email, they know my follow-up question is going to be, when are you going to get in front of them? And so that's, that's kind of what they're getting prepared for. So setting that expectation that if something comes up, especially a big opportunity or, or maybe a problem job, again, mm-hmm. I think when you're dealing with customers on the sales side, when you have a, a problem type situation come up, you can develop a lot of respect from the customer by the way you handle that. And by sending them a text message, I don't think that's the proper way to handle that situation. So getting in front of them, getting your facts together and and doing that, trying to put it to, to bed as quickly as possible is the best thing to do. What about lessons learned? What is the most important lesson you've learned as a businessman? Don't let anything sit around. If you let things fester, it's going to get bigger and out of control at some point. If you just, and again, if it's a, even if it's a bad situation, if you go ahead and address it while it's young, you can, you can really keep from damaging long-term relationships. If you delay it, it's going to keep getting worse and worse. And eventually it's, you're going to have to deal with it eventually. At some point you may go for years before you have to deal with it, but at some point it's going to come home to you. That's good advice in business and personal life. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Personal life, I can tell you. It's, uh, I've got a lot of close friends that we've had you know, different dealings with, especially when you got kids starting in sports or your coaching activities or any, anything like that, church activities. Mm-hmm. There's, there's going to come a time where you make somebody mad. Right. And if you, don't, if you don't go deal with it, it's just going to lead to problems down the road. Yes, for sure. What about a book or podcast? Do you have one that you listen to or read? So right now, interested in uh, diversifying my portfolio as far as from a retirement standpoint. I think everybody's got 401ks, but I'm, I'm really interested in real estate right now. So I've got podcasts. I've sub- subscribed to probably 10 different podcasts on investing in real estate. And so that's that's what I'm into right now right. at this point in time. Fantastic. Yeah. That's uh, and that's that's interesting because I I think that might be more generational too. Yeah. <laughs> Just like because we're thinking uh, like a little down the road once the kids are out of the house and uh, exactly. what's the next what's the next phase of life going to exactly. bring? I love that. Let's talk about your legacy. What do you want your legacy to be in the oil and gas industry? Legacy for me, it's really important. I've talked to my kids about this several times. You know, really. The only legacy you really leave is your, your good name. And whether it's, you know, going through high school, like my kids are, or you go through your career, that, that last name, what people think of you is really the only thing you leave behind. So when you, you know, after you pass, that's really, for me, the one thing I want to leave on this earth is making sure that when people think of me and my last name or, you know, my family for that matter, I want them to think of us as as being somebody that's well respected, well thought of in the community, church wise. I want to make sure that people see me as a you know a person that you know we all sin. Hopefully, uh, you know I'm trying to correct that, but you know hopefully see me as a as a Christian person that has tried to walk the best I can. Wonderful. What about quote? Do you have a favorite quote or Bible verse that you live by? Yeah. So at church, at One Hope Church Christ, we do this uh, do the two. 
And it's from Matthew 22, verse 37. It's uh, basically, you know, love the Lord with all your heart, soul and mind. And uh, along with that, the second piece is love the neighbor like yourself. And I know that's extremely hard to do and, and I don't do a very good job of it. But that's that's our motto at church. And that's one thing we really try to uh, strive to do. But those are those are probably the the two quotes that I really try to get back to. Fantastic and good good reminders too all the time. Yes, it is, and we <laughs> we do uh, shirts and bumper stickers and all kinds of stuff. Try to keep that in front of us. If if you had one piece of advice to someone that is just now moving into the basin and is maybe going down a similar path as you and and similar journey, what advice would that be? I asked my daughter this yesterday. You know, what advice does she give to? young students coming in or a freshman coming up to high school. And, and uh, she, she was real funny about it. She, she told me it's, Hey, get used to the wind or don't worry about the wind and the dirt. You'll get used to it. <laughs> that That's her, uh, that was her comment, but it's think, really windy in West Texas. If you've never been here, it's yes. really windy. <laughs> yes. And the dirt does blow. Yes, yes it does. But that's I think, funny. I think for me, it's, you know, the, the communication I have with, even people that I'm hiring from outside the area, I've got a guy that's coming in from Pennsylvania. He flew in last week and went and took a tour of New Mexico to try to find a place to live. And, you know, the one thing I tell him is just be open to the community, open to meeting new people and get out and take advantage of the folks that are around you. Take take advantage of the community because I feel like we really try to offer a number of things that gets you out in front of people to where you can network and develop relationships and gives you something to do because we, we may not have all the things that the big city does, but we do have a lot of functions and a lot of activities that go on that a lot of people don't take advantage of. Right. So again, I think it would just be, don't, don't just go home and, and sit at home and, and go to work again get out in the community and get involved. I think that would be the biggest thing to make sure that you feel welcomed here. If you, if you just go home and you're a hermit, you're, you're not ever going to feel good about the Permian Basin. That's good advice because I, I remember when I moved here 21 years ago, the first six months, it was kind of like, well, what do I do? Because you don't know anybody yet. Mm-hmm. So you do, you just tend to come home after work and that's it. Watch TV and go to sleep and then do it all over again the next day. And I think there is so much to do here within our community and in close proximity, or at least five and a half hours. (laughs) (laughs) But we also have the Big Bend National Park and Lajitas and Monahan's State Park for, you know, a little sand sledding, which is fun. But there are there are things that you can go do that that don't cost a lot of money Mm -hmm. and that can get you out a little bit or as a day trip that, you know, I think I think if you just look, they're there. Yes. It's just easy to forget when you first move to a new town. So yes, ma'am. great advice. Is there anything that you would like to add that maybe we haven't covered, you know, just some kind of topic that when you were coming here, you're like, oh, I hope I get that out to to our listeners today. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, the one thing that I've kind of taken away from this whole experience I've had with my career, especially making that transition from agricultural to oil and gas is there's going to be opportunities that come up. Don't be afraid to get out of your comfort zone and go do those things. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we feel complacent on what we're doing. And when I look at somebody like Tim Butler, he's a good friend of mine. Tim is a young man that he knew he wanted to go and do bigger things. And so he started his own company and, and he's doing extremely well. Him and Lori are both great people and 
when I look at them, I see, you know, kind of that, you know, that all American couple, they've really done well. They've started their own company. They're, they're killing it right now. And I think anybody could do that. Tim's got a great head on his shoulders, very driven individual, but I, I really believe anybody can do that, whether it's through a career within like Baker Hughes or some of the big companies or even the small companies developing those careers, but taking advantages of those opportunities when they come up. And don't you feel like the best things always come when you are uncomfortable? Uh, you, you, it's almost like you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. When that opportunity comes to you, you think, I don't know. I'm just, I'm so, I'm good doing what I'm doing right, right. now. But when you step out of it, you you realize what else you can do yes. and how and how high you can go. Yes. I think a lot of times people feel like, well, oh, I've got to have some training and I've got to get to a position where I'm ready for, to take that next step. You'll never be ready for that next step until you get in there and, and see what it's about. And so don't be afraid to take that step. Phil, thank you so much for sharing this time with us today. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it and all the wonderful things you're doing at Baker Hughes. If someone wanted to reach out to you or get to know more about Baker Hughes, say on social media, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, I think we're all over social media. But if you wanted to email me or contact me, my emails, philip.bells at bakerhughes.com or just reach out to any of us at Baker Hughes and we can point you in the right direction. And call Philip. He'll pick up the phone. Yes. Yes, I will. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much, Philip. Appreciate you. Thank, Thank you. you. I appreciate it. Today's community MVP is Anna Darko Petroleum Corporation. For those of you that have been listening, you know we're now giving a wonderful shout out to someone who's doing good things in our community here in the Permian Basin. Well, Big Brothers, Big Sisters of the Permian Basin presented Anna Darko with the 2019 Corporate Community Partner of the Year Award. Yay! Congratulations, Anna Darko. This special nonprofit organization provides support for hundreds of children facing adversity in our community by pairing them with strong and enduring, professionally supported one-to-one -one relationships with caring adults. Congratulations to Anadarko, and please consider volunteering for Big Brothers Big Sisters of the Permian Basin. It is a fantastic organization, and there's nothing better than pouring back into the youth in our community. So congratulations to today's community MVP. Once again, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Baker Hughes, a GE company, inventing smarter ways to bring energy to the world. And of course, I want to thank all of you for listening and sharing time with us. That concludes this episode of Permian Perspective, the story behind the oil and gas leaders in the Permian Basin. Remember my motto, dream big and believe in yourself and you make it a great day. Hey, it's Julie here, and I have a few OGGN announcements before heading into the events on deck. Street team, we are still taking volunteers for our street team. We're only asking for an hour of your time per week in exchange for perks such as free entry to our happy hours, shirts, networking with other young professionals in our group. The group is within Facebook, but you do not have to have a Facebook to join. Just send me an email. The link will be in the show notes, and I can get you started. Our happy hours... We are actually moving to quarterly happy hours rather than monthly. So our next Houston happy hour, as well as Midland, will be in August or September. Be on the lookout for that date. You'll get an invite if you're on the list. If not, you can sign up on the list below. And then we are launching another happy hour in Denver in August. So if you're interested in that one, the link is in the show notes as well to be notified. We don't have a date or details for that yet, but they're coming up. Okay, now on to the events on deck. We have Golf for Good on June 11th, 
2019 in Houston, Texas. All proceeds go to help redeemed ministries with our long-term recovery program and safe house to help victims of human trafficking become survivors. So mark your calendars and be ready to golf for good with Redeemed and our organizers, Global SEM Energy and Red M. For more information on how to sponsor or register, just click the link in the show notes. Data-Driven Drilling and Production Conference is June 11th through 12th in Houston, Texas. This is where Silicon Valley meets oil and gas. Register at the link in our show notes below. The Energy and Data Conference is June 17th through 19th in Austin, Texas. This forward-looking conference will include the latest in digital transformation trends as they relate to the energy sectors with topics such as machine learning and data management storage, oil and gas development and drilling production, and more. Link down below. Energy Exposition is June 26th through 27th in Gillette, Wyoming. The Energy Exposition is for those who would like to know more about procedures, technology, safety, environmental practices, and equipment used in the oil and gas industry. And again, the link is in our show notes. Argentina Oil and Gas and Energy Summit 2019 is on July 10th and 11th in Buenos Aires. This summit's actually the first and only official event for the Argentinian oil and gas and energy industries. It will present a unique platform for networking that will bring together existing and future operators in the oil and gas industry in Argentina and Latin America. Next up is the 2019 IPANM annual meeting that Mark, Jake, and Paige will actually be speaking at. This will be July 24th through 26th in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And this year's theme is addressing operator needs in 2019. And next up is Desk and Derek Fort Worth second annual shoot for the future clay shoot. This clay shoot will be on July 26th in Decatur, Texas. And then last but not least, Summer Nape. This is going to be August 21st and 22nd to where the deals happen. Tune in next week for another episode of Permian Perspective, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at www.oggn.com. <laughs>